Welcome back to Between the Banners, your basketball show on the Tar Heel Blog Podcast, hosted by TarHillBlog.com on the SBNation.com Podcast Network. My name's Chad Floyd, and so it turns out basketball season starts next week. Uh, this is part one of a kind of like in a tweet stream, I'm not sure how many part preview series. And today, to break down the UNC basketball roster with me, Akil Garuparan. Long time no talk, my man. How are you? Hey, it's been a while. I'm good. I'm good. Good to hear, man. Good to hear. Yeah. Um, basketball season definitely snuck up on me. I was not prepared. And then I think I was in our Slack channel last week and I said, oh, shit, I need to record some basketball preview stuff. So uh, I appreciate you joining me. Um, ready to break down a roster that is very much in flux? Yeah. Um, it's a lot harder to start, like, it's a lot easier to look start looking forward to basketball season when football season is like completely interested in disengaging you, which has not been the case this year. So like, I think it snuck up on all of us a lot more than it did last year. Yeah, and usually there's, I mean, even if UNC is going two and nine, there's a nice little cutoff point where, okay, you know, last year we played uh, the tournament down in, um, what was it, Vegas or whatever, right as uh, Thanksgiving was coming around. Or, well, we played the game. Right, yeah. We lost the game to Texas. That kind of signaled the beginning of basketball season. But, you know, me personally, I'm generally a guy that doesn't really start paying attention to basketball until, like, college football playoffs over. So this this November 6th tip-off against Notre Dame is uh, some extreme culture shock here. Yeah, the fact that we have a conference game in November is wild. Well, not only that, and and I'm sure if we uh, stretch this out beyond like three episodes or so, you know, we'll we'll talk about it in a little more detail. But we play Virginia the day of the ACC championship game in football, which is wild. Um, (laughs) My dad was just blowing me up uh, via text right before we came on because he's doing his uh, annual season ticket draft and he – was like, hey, um, I'm the fourth pick this year. I need to know what games to be looking for. Uh, the first game I sent him was UCLA because uh, GoHeels.com schedule had that as a home game. Um, that is a neutral site game as well, so I'm an idiot. Um, but <laughs> just kind of kind of reflects the extent to which uh, my pants are down. But a lot of uh, good Saturday home games. Um, th- there's definitely some upside to having 20 ACC games, and you know we're going to be loose with that. Uh, how- with this thing, uh, how do you feel about going to 20 games other than, hey, that sweet, sweet TV money? It's definitely a lot. I think it might help um, the issue we've had in the past of, like, the two UNC-Duke games coming within, like, 10 days of each other for the past three seasons. Like, an expanded schedule might soften that a little bit. Um it's a it's a lot to ask of the players though. It's just it is I guess what happens with the conference conference expanding as much as it has. But I don't know. It's just yeah, TV money rules over everything. I guess cash rules everything around me. Um, yeah, I mean, from the perspective of just uh, schedule balance, I kind of like it because. You know, we, we went into last year saying, okay, well, UNC only has to play Virginia once and only has to play Florida State once. And yeah, there is that, that. that led to a 16-2 and two season, so that was nice. But um, not really so much the case this year because basically you only get, I think, four teams uh, just only one time. Let me double-check that just 
so we're not going to be wrong here. Yeah, uh, so UNC, basically Florida State and Louisville are the only ones that they get once that seem to be advantageous to the heels. Um, Boston College, Clemson, Georgia Tech, and Miami are four uh, one-off home games. I would pencil those in for four wins. But anyway, um, Akil, I'm, I'm not a good liar, so I don't want to lie to the people anymore. Let's talk about this roster. I'm just going to put you on the spot. We're going to start up top with the starting five. Uh, what is your projected starting five at this moment in time? at the end of October? Uh, I think it's going to be Cole Anthony, Christian Keeling, Brandon Robinson, Garrison Brooks, and Armando Baycott. Well, you want some good news? What, that that what you got? Yeah. All right. Yeah, so, <laughs> let's, uh, yeah, so let's start in the backcourt. Uh, Cole Anthony... Uh, all reports were that he was dominant in the closed scrimmage against uh, Villanova. Um, I mean, ha- you know, I, I don't really think as UNC fans, we are quite ready for the level of impact he's going to have. So how do you see the Cole Anthony situation playing out? Because I think he is the alpha on this team from, I mean, starting next Wednesday, really. Yeah. Um, I don't think we've, seen Roy Williams recruit a point guard like Cole Anthony before like a guy who's who was NBA ready in high school essentially his type has usually tended towards like a very college style of point guard like you think of Joel Barry, Marcus Page even Ty Lawson a little like slightly undersized guys really into transition really into attacking off the bounce um not really like creators second uh a lot of scorers cole anthony is a guy i think he's been preparing for the nba since he was like 12 he's obviously got the genes for it um he's extremely gifted as a distributor and he's got a mentality i think that not a bunch of the other point guards we've seen in Roy williams's time have had like a real alpha from day one kind of deal um even Kobe White, who was the heartbeat of the team last year, you could see in interviews and stuff that he was extremely ready to defer to senior leadership. He looked to coaches for a lot of stuff. Like, we loved him for it, but Cole Anthony's going to, like, a different breed. And I think from, like, dominating everything, not dominating, that's a bad word, but um, taking the leadership, like, coaching players up almost, like, even in conditioning workouts and stuff, we're going to see a really different mentality from Cole Anthony than we have from Roy Williams point guards. And I think that's going to help ease some of the like classic Roy Williams point guard struggles. I mean, like my, like the people I follow who talk NBA draft on Twitter are talking about him as a number one pick already. That's never been the case as long as I've been alive, I think for a UNC freshman point guard, he's just a different kind altogether. And I'm really excited to see him. Yeah, I've been trying to kind of come up with a comp for him, and really the best I can do is uh, Derek Rose. And yeah, I think he's not. Go, go, ahead. go ahead and finish. Uh, I, I, I was just going to say probably a little bit uh, more coherent as a shooter coming in, but um, you're you're the, you're the expert here, and you're you're following a little bit more draft analysis, so I want to let you cook. Uh, yeah, he's not quite the athlete that Derrick Rose was as a prospect. Same with, I, I've seen some Dennis Smith comps as well. And 
they're both, I think, on the next level from Cole Anthony, who's a really, really good athlete, but not quite as explosive as them. Um, he's got a little bit of Westbrook to him, just in terms of how aggressive he is on the boards and how, like, a- how able he is to switch between facilitation and and attacking uh, when the situation calls situation calls for it. Um, I don't know, maybe a John Wall type as well. Those are the yeah, those are the types of things I'm thinking. Like slightly lower level athletically than those guys, but in terms of the way he can both attack and distribute, he's yeah, that and yeah, and I think he strikes a good balance between the two. Um, you know, Wall and Rose probably still a step ahead of him athletically. Uh, Westbrook definitely. But Anthony, I, I feel like just from what I've seen, has a little bit more basketball IQ that's going to serve him well um, adjusting to the college game right away. And, you know, I mean, he I think we both said it, but he is going to kind of come in and be the unquestioned leader on this team. And I mean, I, I hope he's averaging 17 and eight and takes that number one pick because that would be great PR for UNC. And, you know, in the one and done era, I mean, Kobe White was a pleasant surprise, but. Kobe White gave UNC the credibility to go out and get a Cole Anthony and then to go ahead and lock up a Bryce Love, um, even though he's probably more of a two- or three-year player. Um, Caleb, Caleb Love. Caleb Love. Sorry, I'm getting him and Bryce Thompson confused. Um, <laughs> the question becomes, Akil, who's playing point guard when Cole Anthony's on the bench, either with fatigue or foul trouble? Because Roy Williams has been very public in stating that you know he was – not thrilled to have to run white as much as he did last year or Joel Berry the year before that. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a struggle. He, unfortunately we've got leaky black at least behind him as a secondary point guard, but you know, I think we'll get to him later. He's more of a utility six man at whatever spot you try to put him at. So not a ton of available minutes as backup point guard, maybe, uh, I think, but he's basically all we've got at backup point guard, unless uh, Jeremiah Francis or uh, Anthony Harris shows up a lot readier than expected off of injury. Um, but again, like this comes down to conditioning. He's already the best conditioned player on the team, I think. I think he won. He came in first in the Tar Heel in whatever it was called, the 33 conditioning test which almost never happens with a freshman uh like like i said he's been preparing for this since he was 15 years old he's more than ready to be able to play as many minutes as needed it's not optimal obviously but i think he's in a different situation than kobe white who like rose with the occasion but like i think cole anthony's more prepared for it than kobe was yeah um i'm gonna pour one out for the backcourt pairing of Kobe and Cole that never was because that, you know, that, that, that would have been number one team in the country level right there. Um, let's talk about oh the guy that we, God, that would have been incredible. Oh my goodness. I mean, Kobe White, you know, he, he might be the number two guy for an NBA rookie of the year right now. Um, you know, here two games. Yeah, he's, he's doing all yeah. right. He he is uh, he is not bad. Um, let's talk about the guy that we're going to get instead of Kobe White. A uh, guy I'm pretty excited about in Christian Keeling. Uh, going to wear number 55, grad transfer from Charleston Southern. 
where last year he was all Big South, Big South All Tournament, academic All Big South, uh, led them with 18.8 points a game and seven rebounds. Um, the first thing that jumps off the page at me is with Keeling and then with Justin Pierce, who we'll get into later, rebounding from the guard spot. Uh, Cole Anthony almost averaged a triple double last year. That is going to be a strength of this UNC team. Yeah, um, I think that's probably the reason that Roy Williams prioritized him as much as he did as a graduate transfer. Um, he's on the slight side, I think, for a shooting guard. He weighs like weighed in at 170 or so, but he's extremely aggressive in his offensive approach, and I think that carries over into rebounding. Uh, so yeah, that's definitely something to look out for. He's gonna he, he's he's a scrappy guy on the boards and. That'll be pretty fun to watch, especially paired with Brandon Robinson, who's also been a scrapper like his entire time as a Tar Heel. Yeah, I, I think um, they're going to have a really blue-collar mentality in the backcourt. Uh, Garrison Brooks is going to contribute to that same mentality as well. Uh, Keeling's going to be kind of counted on the guy or count on to be the guy, you know, when you need a big three-pointer. Um, he made 81 of them last year, shot him at a 38% clip. Um, but just like you said, with his aggression, it's going to be a situation where Anthony can break down the defense and then have Keeling come in behind that. Um, you know, it's, it's not exactly a secondary break, but kind of more of a dribble drive approach than UNC has been used to, at least in the half court. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited yeah. for this guy, but you know, what that's going to do is just collapse the defenses. And if, uh, if guys are making open corner threes, you know, look out. Um, yeah, so I don't have my computer in front of me, but the really exciting thing about Keeling is that he's a legit three-level scorer. He will he has spots uh, near the rim. He's a good finisher. He's got a lot of mid-range opportunities, and he's obviously a great and volume-heavy three-point shooter. So I think you're right. I think we're going to see a lot of, like, a lot more shot creation than we did last year, which, again, not a typical team and we're still going to see a lot of the kind of secondary break looking for assists like high assists to field goal ratio but there were times when guys couldn't create their own shots and I think Christian Keeling is going to be one of the engines where that's not the case this year. Yeah I, I think uh, between Anthony and Keeling you're going to have I'm going to call it cohesive volatility. You know, they're going to be very chaotic. They're going to be very difficult for opposing guards to handle uh, as a tandem. But with Keeling's experience and uh, Anthony's preparation, you're going to have, you know, two guys that are really able to just um, methodically yet explosively break down the defense. Let's talk about Brandon Robinson. I do agree that he's going to be the uh, – second wing, although there will be a case for Leaky Black. We will get to that. Um, we will probably speed this up once we get beyond Black and a couple other guys. But Robinson's just been steady, um, really kind of came into his own, I thought, a little bit last year, uh, getting 13 minutes a game in ACC play, hitting 46% from three was actually the best on the team in that regard. If he can just be a spot-up corner three guy, just a three and D player, you know, I'm, I'm not going to call him Bruce Bowen, but you know, if, if he can be that guy, then that's going to be great to get some senior leadership out of him. That's really all we need from him. He's a great leader. He's like brings the right attitude to the game. And if he can just maintain 
that shooting or even drop off a little at a, at bigger volume, just demand the ball a little more than he did last year. Like he'll be a perfect role player for this team. Uh, if he can give us what Kenny Williams gave us last year, but with better shooting, like that'll be perfect. Yeah. And you know, if we, if we want to go into last year a little bit, you know, Kenny Williams by all accounts had kind of a disappointing senior year. Um, I think Robinson, his floor is basically what Williams gave us last year and that will work from three spot. Um, Let's talk Garrison Brooks. The big man um, feels like he's been around forever, honestly. Like, I frankly was kind of taken aback when I, when I realized he was just a junior. But. Yeah, he's. Yeah, I agree. He's been a mainstay at the position for so long because he's been the only really true big man that UNC's had his whole career here. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, definitely separated himself from uh, Brendan Huffman and Sterling Manley in that regard. But, I mean, what what do you, just statistically, what do you expect from Brooks this year? Because, you know, if UNC is going to feed the post like they have for the past 20 years going on, you know, Brooks is going to be a guy whose numbers are going to have to take a leap. Oh, yeah. Um, So Luke May was a defensive rebound vacuum last year, and I think Garrison Brooks is a very good rebounder in his own right and is going to see that number rise as, like, he slides into the both of the four spot, which is more his, like, his natural position, like, just as a body type and play style. So he's going to slide into the four, and he's going to be the most experienced big rebounder on the team which I think is going to put him into, like, I think he averaged eight rebounds a year last year. I wouldn't be surprised to see that at 12 or higher. Uh, And he's going to need – I think his offensive game is going to flourish flourish a little with that. I don't know how much – there are reports that he's been working on his offense all offseason. I don't know how much he has without seeing it, but I think just based on the opportunity he's going to get and based on the matchups he's going to get, like, he was – undersized at center for the past two years. I think he's going to match up a little better at power forward. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him average a double-double of like 11 and 12 a game, maybe even up to 14 points. Yeah, I I had my notes uh, to have him pegged for 12 and 10, so I think we're in the same ballpark there. Um, You know, if he takes like a like a Bryce Johnson style leap, then this this team goes from good team to contender real fast. Um, not quite oh, yeah. sure if I, not quite, not quite sure if I see that, uh, it's not a great comp except for just, um, you know, getting called for a lot of fouls early in your career and developing from kind of a garbage bucket guy into a guy with a decent face up game. And, you know, like you said, the ability to manhandle smaller defenders, I think is going to play to his advantage. And the reason why he's going to be able to manhandle smaller defenders is because, Armando Baycott is now getting a one-and-done hype, and I don't know if that is on Baycott based on his approach or if that's based on the play that we've seen from him this uh, summer. Do you have any insight on that? Um, I don't think it's, like, super externally driven. I haven't seen him on a ton of mock drafts, especially, like, like first-round type mock drafts. I think it's mostly based on both his approach and uh, 
internally what the coaching staff has seen from him, which, I mean, I think they're really excited to have another legit big, and Baycott's definitely that. Um, he, I haven't seen him shoot a ton, so I don't know if he's going to, like, stay at center in the NBA and just say he like just be one of the centers that doesn't have a ton of outside game, but he's a great rebounder. He's got really good hands and he's got a good feel for passing out of the post. Um, I don't have a huge read on how good he is as a finisher around the post or as a scorer generally, but the two things I know about him are basically that he's got hands. He's a decent athlete He's got high basketball IQ, and he needs to work on his conditioning, which, I mean, that's what we knew about Tony Bradley, and he was number one overall. I think Baycott's a little a little better conditioned than Bradley from what I've read, but that's what we're working with, and you, and Roy Williams can make that kind of guy. It looks great. Yeah, uh, that, that would be kind of the biggest thing to me in a two-big approach, you know, where Brooks was kind of cleaning up the garbage rebounds last year. Um, Baycott can be a garbage guy as well. Um, you know, having good hands, that basically made Sean May a lottery pick back in the day. I don't know if it happens overnight for Baycott. I'm not quite as sold on his one-and-done ability. But I am sold on him giving a good, coherent, you know, seven or eight points and six or seven rebounds a night. And when you have the scoring potential that the rest of the uh, offense has, and I should emphasize the word potential, um, that plays. And, you know, they, they don't need him to come in right away and be DeAndre Ayton or be Greg Oden or anything. They, they just need him to, you know, uh, stay out of foul trouble and stay on the court and provide some size inside because the biggest thing that UNC lacked the past two years was just that girth underneath. Yeah, for sure. Um, one other thing I forgot to mention is that he's already got a relationship with Cole Anthony and that is going to, I think, pay a lot of dividends in terms of just like his pick and roll decision making where like knowing where Baycott wants the ball. Um, I think he's going to be a really popular lob target target early on for Cole Anthony as he's like running secondary break stuff and seeing Baycott run open. Uh, and obviously he's just a really fun personality. And I think that's going to translate onto the court as well. So like, he's going to be a hardcore energy guy too, I think as a starter. Yeah. And that was the other thing I was going to touch on with him is no matter what he does, he's already a legend in our circles because he has basically been the ultimate leak on UNC basketball recruiting going on basically 18 months now. So already yeah, a legend it's been, in right? Oh, yeah. Uh, especially Tar Heel Media, like making our jobs easy, like as social media people. And yeah. Yeah. God bless him for that. We, we love him before he's taken a step on the court. Yeah, I, I want big things for Armando Baycott. If if he exceeds expectations, uh, it, it means really good things for the Heels. If we're seeing him as a one and done, then you know he might be featured a little bit more in the offense. And UNC hasn't really had that back to the basket guy since uh, since really Meeks left. So you know Meeks left with the ship. So I'm all for our next back to the basket center doing the same. Um, Akil, we are going to take a short break. We're going to come back and talk about the rest of the guys who are going to be in the rotation. Let's do it. Yeah, it's not actually like a whole break. I'm, I, I was just yeah, trying yeah, to yeah. the audio <laughs> so, I could, um, so I could identify it real quick. 
And we are back. Akil, we're talking about our theoretical bench. Uh, we, we gave Brandon Huffman the starting spot, or Brandon Huffman, Jesus. Um, Brandon Robinson the starting spot over Leaky Black, and I'm not quite positive if that's the right decision, but as we touched on breaking down Cole Anthony, I think you're right that he is going to be the backup at the one. Uh, he might also be the primary backup at the two and the three and possibly the four. Yeah, that's the reason that I didn't give him the starting spot is that if we get a little bit more fluid of a game script than we saw last year where it was pretty much always either Brandon Robinson or Nas Little coming off the bench first, I think Leaky Black is going to give Roy Williams the option to just see what's going on in the game and then put him into the position that's struggling the most, either offensively or defensively, because He's both an outstanding defender and a versatile offensive player who can either initiate offense or play off ball or just like create some havoc with his size um, and change lineups. So I think Roy Williams is going to really value that versatility and put him on the bench just so that he can like enter the lineup where it is best for the team at any moment because he's easily the most versatile piece we have. Yeah, I mean, he is an absolute Swiss Army Knife type player and, you know, the type of guy that you definitely want to have, if possible, coming off the bench just so you can kind of evaluate game state, like you said. Um, You know, really what it comes down to is if his offensive game does take the leap, he might end up in the starting five by January or February. Um, But definitely gives UNC some insurance of, versus injury, versus foul trouble, versus ineffectiveness. Uh, he, he's a guy I, I just feel really comfortable with on the floor, and I think he's going to get 20 to 25 minutes a game despite not being a starter initially. At least that. Um, I think he's going to stay on the floor a lot. He's probably going to close out a lot of close games, even if he doesn't start them. But, yeah, he's – like, watching him with the ball is – he's got – supreme command I think of the offense as a whole and like of his own game he knows what he can do and what he can't do he never makes bad decisions he like might be a smidge passive um, with the ball and maybe uh, passes up opportunities to shoot too often but that comes with an evolving offensive game too and he wasn't the most polished shooter or scorer when he got to UNC as a freshman. We'll see how he's worked on that in the offseason, especially like coming off as like a, an injury that I think he's back 100% from. But yeah, I think he's got a lot of switchable potential too, which is a, a word that I hate in NBA circles, but he's got he can def- he can defend probably the mo- the opponent's most threatening guard and just put them off with how much bigger and longer he's going to be than basically everybody he's guarding without sacrificing really mobility because he's got that as well. He's got, he moves like a guard does. Uh, he, he's just going to be fun to watch. I think as like a really throwback player who just looks like a basketball player. Yeah. Uh, the ideal role for me, you know, just, I, I, I can see in, Duke games, uh, you know, maybe if UNC needs to stem the tide, maybe if Trey Jones has gotten better at uh, basketball things, stick Leaky Black on him and frustrate the hell out of him. I mean, he's he's 6'8", but I swear his wingspan's 
over seven feet. He's just a really unique piece that uh, UNC has, and they are going to use him as such. But I, I think he's pretty much your guaranteed six man. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't be surprised to see him start and then just move positions to provide the same kind of flexibility. But I think just in terms of energy, just in terms of, like, reading game script, um, and in terms of, again, like, that disruptive potential he has, he's really well-suited as a six-man this year with the roster UNC has. Yeah, let's talk about another uh, Swiss Army knife uh, type guy. This one, obviously, we're going to have a little bit less insight on, although he's been playing for a lot longer. Justin Pierce, 6'7", uh, 2'10". He is listed as a forward on the official roster. Uh, was basically a wing at William & Mary, but another guy, you know, rebounded really well for his position, shoots the three pretty well, uh, averaged 15 and 9, uh, along with four assists last year. I'm not quite as sold on his ability to come in and uh, make an immediate impact as I am with Christian Keeling, but I think he's, I'm, I think I'm higher on him than most of UNC basketball Twitter. If I, if I consider myself that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think I'm about with you. I'm not down on him. Like I don't like, a lot of people have like removed him from the starting lineup because they have a starting lineup similar to what we have. And then like stop thinking about him entirely. I still think he's going to be a pretty big contributor. He, I think William and Mary played a kind of four out one in defense or four out one in system. And he was nominally there four, but also just played like a wing. And he's probably going to do something similar here. He's probably too small to play for, even in the way that Luke May did as a stretch for, but he can play on the wing, clean up rebounds at a pretty high rate and be a spot up shooter on the offensive end. I don't know how much offense he's going to be able to create here versus that William and Mary again, like he doesn't have the arsenal that Christian Keeling does, but he's got a nice shot. He's got a good rebounding and finishing it, like cleaning up ability. Um, he'll, he'll be useful. I think he'll probably play about 15, 15-ish minutes a game. Average maybe like six and four, seven and four. And see, I'm a little bit higher on him than that. I think the numbers are probably about right. I think he probably gets about 20 minutes a game just kind of as the nominal third big. Um, you know, given Brooks's struggles with foul trouble, given how freshmen typically – get themselves in foul trouble as bigs um, adapting to the college game. Uh, Pierce has enough size to where, you know, you're basically looking at like a Luke May light as a stretch four. You know, he's not going to be as physically imposing as May um, as a rebounder, but a guy that, you know, basically when he's on, when he's on offense and he's in the game as a stretch four, you know, that can create a matchup problem against certain bigger teams. And I think he's going to be extremely valuable to this team um, and definitely kind of pushes everybody else down a notch because frankly, man, after, uh, after talking about Pierce, I'm not really sure where we want to go next because you're looking at some amalgamation of a unable to practice at this point, Sterling Manley, um, Brandon Huffman, who has not really made an impact at UNC except for being extremely jiffable, which is, 
extremely valuable to us. Um, who do you <laughs> see as kind of the nominal third capital B big? I mean, based on the fact that Sterling Manley still is not practicing with an unknown knee injury, it has to be Huffman, but you're right. In his first couple of years, he hasn't looked like he really understands his role in the system. He is basically his only offensive move is to dunk over people, which is fun, but it's not really something to look for for consistent offense. Uh, he doesn't have the greatest hands yet, and he's a pretty much a black hole when he gets the ball. Like He's basically all the things you want to teach out of a big, and I hope by the time that he's an upperclassman now that he, like some of that's been coached out of him, but you just haven't seen enough development yet with him like not seeing a ton of floor time and being – as raw as he was from the get-go to really trust him with extended minutes. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's definitely kind of, you know, a, hey, we're in foul trouble and we need you to steal four minutes type of guy. And, you know, he probably won't kill you um, just because with his size. And, I mean, he, he does have pretty good leaping ability. So, you know, he's probably not going to kill you on the glass. He's not going to get abused by anybody down low he might pick up a couple fouls himself but just as a uh, warm body to steal you know five to seven minutes a game I can see him uh, making an impact Manley's just a complete unknown yeah. I, I don't even really want to go into him right now because at, at this point I mean unfortunately the injury situation it has become basically chronic yeah, it's really upsetting. He was a really promising player his freshman year, but, you know, an injury that's kept him out this long, you have no idea what it's going to do, like, when he comes back, like, how rusty he's going to be, how much he's going to trust that knee not to flare up again. There's, yeah, it's you, you can't really, you can't really prognosticate anything with him. At this point, anything he gives us this year is a bonus. Yeah, I'm... I mean, this might be a hot take. I would not be shocked to see him go ahead and redshirt. Um, don't know if that is something he's interested in doing. Um, you know, everybody's the best player uh, until they're not. Um, I don't even know if that's something he or Roy Williams really wants to entertain, but I just don't really know what you're going to get from him before December or January at this point because he's so far behind in conditioning, and we saw – Last year when he was coming off of injury, he just looked lost. So, the yeah. The thing mean, about I'm... him redshirting is I think I don't think Roy Williams wants to recruit with that redshirt, um, giving yeah. Manley an extra year. I don't know. It's like he's already signed a full class for next year and is expecting some of those guys to stay. And, like, the way that he's recruiting right now, it's hard to imagine that he's really looking at a ton of holdover of past what we already have, like can expect. Yeah, I, I, I think I'd agree with you on that. Um, you know, that that's just a wait and see. We we don't really know how to evaluate that situation, but as it plays out, we will uh, come back and try to do that. Um, just while we're talking yeah, about sure. upperclassmen, Andrew Playtech, uh, our our site manager's favorite player. 
Um, Playtech basically had his road to extensive playing time completely shut down uh, with the two grad transfers. That, I, I don't want to say this like this, but that does not offend me. Um, I think he can provide spot minutes similar to Huffman as a big. I think he, you know, is probably a better shooter than he has uh, really shown in his two years at UNC. But if he's a major part of this rotation, then UNC has problems. Uh, yeah, I was about to say almost word for word what you said about him being the steel minutes guy on the wing, like how Huffman should be the steel minutes guy um, in the paint. I mean, there's not much to say about Playtech that's not immediately obvious. He, it, like his role is as basically as a spot shooter, and he hasn't done that extremely well his first, at like the. His, I was so yeah, scared that was going to be like, I was so scared that was going to be like, oh, your phone is going to cut this call off because your phone is bad at technology. <laughs> but no, it's just e-count. Um, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, with Playtech, like he hasn't shot the ball super well his first, I think, three years. Is he a senior now? No, he's a junior. Oh, he's a junior. Okay, his first that, that class has been here forever. Yeah, same with Garrison Brooks, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah, so his first two years, he hasn't shot as well as you'd expect based on practice reports, based on his high school reputation, based on the fact that he's got a good-looking shot. But even though he understands defensive positioning, he's a little too small to really make a plus impact on that end of the floor. And he's got a little bit of point guard ability, but yeah, like you said, if he's playing serious minutes, then UNC is probably in trouble because a really good player is probably in foul trouble. Yep. Um, and we will wrap it on this. Uh, we are running a little bit short on time, but we've got three guys that I'm kind of lumping together here. Uh, Jeremiah Francis and Anthony Harris, both coming off of serious uh, injuries to lower extremities. Um, hopefully one of them gets into the rotation. That would be a huge plus just uh, for limiting the wear and tear on Cole Anthony. Um, the third guy on that list is one that has two years in the program. I just kind of want to run this by you. Is there any chance that KJ Smith becomes the backup point guard? It's not impossible. Um, I don't know. He he was recruited as a walk-on. He's a friend of the program, obviously, with his father being a Tar Heel legend. But I mean, he ran a team for a year. He was he was Pacific starting point guard, if I'm not mistaken. He he could take some heat off Cole Anthony for sure. Just come in, do a Stillman White, just to preserve some minutes. I don't think he's going to be the primary backup the way that uh, Nate Britt had been throughout his career, even after that, um, the way that uh, Seventh Woods was at his best. But I, yeah, I think he could Stillman White for sure, do that kind of, have that kind of impact. Yeah, and I think with that, I mean, Francis and uh, Harris, neither one of them are demonstrating that they are quite ready to go just yet. So, I mean, that's going to be a wait and see, very similar to Sterling Manley. 
uh, we're, we're going to have more on that. But Akil, in the meantime, what do you have coming to TarHillBlog.com? Well, um, whenever I find time pivoting to football, I'm trying to do a film review of the Phil Longo offense uh, that is, you know, perpetually in waiting as I try to make time with my schedule. Um, other than that, I'm just looking forward to basketball season and seeing what it brings. Uh, maybe we'll have something on the Friday exhibition game that uh, against, I believe, Winston-Salem State that's going to be open to public viewing you know maybe we're we're going to get our first real look at this team in competition with someone other than itself so i'm hoping to get something up on that yeah maybe we should have saved the roster preview till after that oh well um yeah uh as for me i am podcasting my uh poor little self away uh we're going to have a uva game football preview uh coming on friday we're going to have part two of this series coming tomorrow when you're listening to this um also i was on an acc podcast with lauren brownlow which you can also find on the tar hill blog podcast feed which if you listen you go ahead and subscribe on your podcast app of choice go to apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review we will read that po- that podcast review on the air. Until next time, keep it locked and go Heels in basketball too now. Go Heels.